Get in, loser. We're going to book club. This is our whole deal. We're friends who read books. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Renee. And welcome to our fourth episode of Crybaby Books. Drumroll, please. Because our book that we are discussing today is Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism by Amanda Montel. I'm super excited about this one. I freaking love this book. I also love this book. And we, so backstory, Lindsay started a book club last two years ago. (laughs) Yeah. It's been wild. Oh my gosh. It's been, I'm so sorry. I haven't read the last books. Um, Yeah. You haven't read the books in a while, by the way. I... (laughs) We read this one after I moved to Utah, though, so sometime in 2022, and I loved it. Emphasis on moved to Utah, and emphasis on, emphasis on cults. <laughs> I know. Okay, listeners, Renee and I have differing opinions, and so we're going to let you guys let us know which you prefer. But I don't only, love a podcast. Only nicely. Okay, yeah, let us know just in a nice way, because we're sensitive. That's why we named this podcast what we named it. Okay, I don't love a podcast with a ton of chit-chat at the top, but Renee kind of does, and so we're going to try it out. We're going to try to pretend like we're friends and (laughs) (laughs) chit-chat. Lindsay, what did you do this weekend? The thing is, listeners, Renee and I start talking to each other through voice memo, Instagram DM, (laughs) shared Google document, text message, like every single way we could we talk to each other from the minute that we're awake to the minute that we go to sleep every single day and so I don't know maybe we'll start recording that but anyway I actually did have a very cute weekend (laughs) so on Friday I went to like a little food truck roundup I just started working from home and this is something I've wanted to do full-time for a really long time and I just noticed that as someone who's constantly overstimulated I have not been very stimulated working from home and so like friday 5 p.m comes around i slam that laptop shut and i'm like i need to get the hell out of this house so uh we went to the food truck roundup and it's really cute i went to like a cajun one first and Ooh, i'm not catholic you sent me looked so good oh, oh my god it's it was so good so i'm not catholic but lint is like my favorite season because all of the restaurants <laughs> down here do like seafood <laughs> especially on fridays they do these amazing seafood dishes so I got the bayou fries. It was like French fries with some questionable sauce that they call bayou sauce, catfish on top, and grilled shrimp on top. Oh my god, I Yum. ate that shit so fast. I barely tasted it. I it was miss so seafood. good. I feel too landlocked. I trust nothing here. Very smart. And then we went to like this dessert one, and the vibes were actually terrible at the dessert one. I'm not going to say the name because, like, ew, who does that? Who talks bad about a small business? But I do. But I'll do it anonymously. (laughs) The dessert one was, like, it was very questionable, like, how you do it. But it turns out you, like, get the dessert first and then you bring it to the counter to pay for it. And I was like, they have a lot of trust in South Louisiana. But then, like, some of the things, it was, like, an ice cream one. So some of the things were, like, loading. Some had a thing that said, like, washing. Some said freezing. And we were like, are they, like, good? And the person working it's like, yeah, they're all good. They're all ready. You have any questions? And so then we went to, like, make one, and it, nothing was coming out. And she was like, oh, that one's sold out. And so I was like, okay. So I went to the next one, and she's like, that one's still being made. And I was like, okay, so which ones are good? And she's like, vanilla. And I was like, okay, I'll do vanilla. <laughs> I love vanilla. So go to get vanilla. 
<laughs> so I go to get vanilla and nothing comes out. And so I'm like, okay, let me just look at the menu and see like the stuff that like they've got like prepared that's like not an ice cream. So I go and ask for this like, this thing is so specific, so I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say what it was exactly because I just, I don't want to. As, okay, wait, weird. let's backtrack. As desserts go, was Acadia and Slice there? Because I want a pie so bad. Okay, they weren't there, but they were at the farmer's market on Saturday. Ooh. And we got some. Okay, so I get to the window, and I'm like, hey, can I have this thing on your menu? And they're like, oh, it sold out in the first hour. And I, like, look at my watch, and I'm like, this started at 4. It's 5. Like, it wasn't, like, 10 p.m. And I was like, can, yeah. can I have your most popular thing? But they both were like, oh, that's sold out. And I was like, okay, can I have this other thing on the menu? Better like next time. Bro. I know. I'm like, okay, all of the ice cream sold out. The thing on the menu sold out. I'm like, okay, can I have this other thing? And they were like, that's sold out too. And so by this point, we've been there for like five minutes. And I was like, what do you have? And they were like, we have this like waffle thing. And I was like, okay, I love waffles. I'll get that. And she's like, it's kind of like, oh, you're probably from here. So you've probably never had. And she lists a couple of restaurants. And I was like, yeah, I am from here. I am currently at the place where you park your food truck so no i haven't had those other places you're talking about but i agreed to the waffle thing anyway it was such a weird vibe but the waffle thing ended up being delicious so i saw a delicious waffle thing this weekend at um brighton resort vans is doing like a some type of snowboarding competition with like pros and regular (gasps) boys and girls regular people the normies? Regular people, the normies can snowboard too, Slay. apparently. Um, <laughs> and Vans was, ha- it was like a waffle on a stick and it had a little a little dollop on it with oh. some sprinkles and it was super cute. That's, and it was okay, a, like, a little, little fair tray. Oh my God, the waffle, waffle because of the bottom of the Vans. <gasps> that is so cute. You think they knew? Yeah, yes. Why else would they have that? <laughs> it's so specific. They like, like a really waffle. love waffles. <laughs> They're like, Vans was founded on two things, skateboarding and waffles. But I did get a kitty and a slice on Saturday. I got, um, I really wanted the Ponchatoula strawberry, but he was very chill about being sold out of that one. Um, but I got the, it was something, there was some like cute name that involved the word blue, but it was like a blueberry uh, pie and it had like a lemon glaze and it was so lovely. Um, and we also got the like boudin one. There's like a. Oh, it's a, it's called the Wakey Wakey. Yes. Oh, so delicioso. After their Instagram post the other day, I looked up Gouda Grits and I was like, maybe I'll make my own. Like yeah. A true Southern woman. Their Gouda Grits are super popular. I'm not a grits girly, but lots of people like theirs. Maybe I would try it because I haven't tried anything from him I didn't like. It's your sign. That's my sign. Freaking Acadiana Slice. Free plug. This podcast is sponsored by Acadiana Slice. <laughs> Ponchatoula strawberry sold out at the farmer's market, so get there early. So get there early. <laughs> I love I, it. What'd you do? Right before this podcast, we went to Disney on Ice, and I don't want to be a Disney mommy, <laughs> but it was okay. so good. <laughs> okay, but, like, you can just, like, be a mom who goes to Disney on Ice with her toddler. I feel like that's okay. Right. It was it was really really cool and I felt like I was the toddler the whole time because we were like skating and flying through the air and doing like aerial gymnastics and like they had like a trapeze situation and at least thought it was cool but I thought it was way cooler. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. I took my godchild to Disney on Ice a couple of times and she was very very small and it's just the cutest thing ever watching like a little kid's like some of the costumes i couldn't decide if they were like whack or really cool what like 
Woody had like plastic hair and it was like very obviously plastic hair like a little like a little plastic hair cap situation okay that is weird it i feel like can we just like it went down to his eyebrows can we just dye woody's hair brown and call it a day we could have aladdin's hair was just brown i mean woody's a toy maybe that's yeah that is fair but in that case why doesn't he have it on a full plastic toy head there. I'm writing to Disney anyway. on Ice right now. <laughs> it wasn't even there. <laughs> we did that, and then Dylan has been working on our basement, and I reread our next book, Cultish. Yeah, girl. Okay, let's get into Cultish. I'm like anxious to talk about this one because this is one of my favorite books that we have read together as friends, as book clubs, as a podcast duo. Favorite nonfiction, Death. Far. Yeah, this is our nonfic Feb pick. Um, for book club but now we're just doing it girl because we like this book okay let's get into it through juicy storytelling and cutting-edge research montel exposes the linguistic elements that make a wide spectrum of communities cultish think heaven's gate think crossfit think organized religion maybe it might make you uncomfy but just think about it (laughs) think about it it really the book really dives into all of it and what makes this book so unique is that she studied like the linguistics that kind of ties all of these organizations together and how these groups use language to kind of manipulate your reality so it's very interesting stuff okay let's chat a little bit about the author amanda montel she is a writer and author linguist podcast host hey girl same here um and she has actually written two critically acclaimed nonfiction books this one that we're talking about today cultish the language of fanaticism and word slut a feminist guide to taking back the english language and her podcast sounds like a cult. Uh, she's the creator and the host of it. So give that a listen to. It's a too. super, super popular podcast. And I think I had listened to it before I read the book the first time. But I just listened to one recently about like the cult of Apple products and how like Apple has always done the us versus them thing with like green bubbles, blue bubbles. Was it Apple who said it first or was it like the rest of the world? <laughs> That's so interesting. Okay, I actually really need to listen to her podcast because I like this book so much. I think she's writing another book too, and I meant to put it in our notes, but I forgot. But look her up. She's writing another book. Yeah, she's cool. Love her. Love her vibes. Um, Okay, so now we're going to give you a hot girl summary, but look, this is a very dense, well-researched book, and we are very dense girlies, but we are not as much (laughs) (laughs) well-researched. So I want... Spot on. (laughs) We want to give you, like, an overall view of, like, what the book was about. But this is one that I'm like, you guys have got to read it or listen to the audiobook. There's so much really valuable language that we don't want to, like, give you every single detail of the cult. Because then this would be, like, a nine-hour podcast. You know what I'm saying? Right. So we're just going to be the cutesy hot girl highlights. New name. Hot girl highlights. <laughs> hot girl. Ooh. <laughs> okay. So we're going to start off with... Uh, our part one so she actually introduces us to two protagonists and we only kind of chat about them um in this first part of the book the first one is a girly pop who was like 16 or 17 ish years old she was kind of left alone a lot as a teenager um and she had some pretty wild experiences with the healthy happy holy organization or 3ho and 
basically what was happening is she was like going on a walk. She kind of had a lot of free time. She spent a lot of time alone because her parents were very busy doing like the American dream. And so she hears chanting coming from this yoga studio. So she kind of peeks her head in and she sees like all of these people like dressed in white and they're like chanting and doing like yoga poses and she's like what's going on and the front desk is like oh it's just like ancient yoga practice and they're reciting prayers and it's this writing system of like modern Punjabi and like Sikh scripture and she's like that sounds so crazy and the front desk girl is like yeah please come here's like the next one's tomorrow you're definitely welcome free of charge and so essentially they just tell them that like your ideology is like oh, just follow the rules of the leader and you'll be fine. Like, he's very new age. He's very modern. Uh, just like, don't don't eat meat and don't drink alcohol. But you can drink tea. We don't do happy hour, but we like drink all of this tea. <laughs> and like all of the tea that they like bought and guzzled was all yogi. And she was like, that's crazy, yogi tea. We're doing yoga. What a coincidence. And they're like, <laughs> what a coincidence. What a and they're like, no, actually, that's not a coincidence. Our leader, Yogi Bahan, maybe is how you say it. Sorry if I'm butchering this. Cult leaders don't deserve my respect. Uh, he, cre- <laughs> he created this like Yogi tea brand. And he owned like a half a billion dollar company. And it was called like Akal Security. And they hold contracts with like NASA to freaking ICE. And, like, immigration detention centers. And, like, he own- he was, like, had, like, all of this money. And, like, one of his, like, business dealings was owning Yogi Tea. Which, yes, listeners, is the same Yogi Tea that we drink today. I say we. But to be fair, not I. Not us. Not us. Not us specifically. We don't. But some of y'all might. So, essentially, they're guzzling this tea. Um, this guy owns all of these things and he's like, oh, she's like, okay, like this still seems kind of normal. He's not saying anything too crazy yet. But then she starts learning about the arranged marriages and like they all have to wake up at 430 and like read the scripture in another language and do yoga. And the big thing is that you cannot talk to anyone who's not either a follower or that you think you can like convert into being a follower. So girly ignored all of every red flag that was large and big and thrown in her face and she got a little bit older so now she's like a legal adult she moves to LA and she spends eight years in this super expensive training and she's a full-time instructor and she attracted all these celebrities think Demi Moore and the Yogi Tea think Russell Brand and the Yogi Tea Owen Wilson and it's I feel like everyone has seen like the imagery of what they look like they're in like full body white linen yeah and they're like in white turbans and it's Mm -hmm. it's very like it looks like they seem to be very holy right all so all of these celebrities are like getting attracted to her specifically her studio and it's like not all of them are like sticking and staying around like the top they're showing face but they're showing face it's good pr and it's always these celebrities who are like very curious about different faiths and different religions and so the yogi leader is like this slaps you're doing great yeah (laughs) one really crazy thing though that we learn is that if you disobey his teachings like if you drink alcohol or like you have a sip of your friend's cocktail or you take a bite of your friend's burger at dinner then you will come back in the next life as a lower vibrational being 
specifically a cockroach. And at one point, she's like, yeah, it's really ick. And like at one point, she like really believed to her core if she went against the teachings, she'd come back as a cockroach. Like she tells this story about how she was like using a public bathroom and she sees a cockroach and she's so disgusted because if you die, she's like, it's somebody who fucked up. Exactly. And then also in their teaching, if you die in the presence of someone holy or holier than you or in a higher vibration, then in your next life, that's like a redemption. In your next life, you won't come back as a cockroach. You'll come back as, I don't know, a puppy dog or something slightly better. <laughs> and so she sees this cockroach going to like go down a drain or something. And she like quickly stops it she closes the drain because she's like no you filthy being you will not die in my presence you are unworthy and she's fully like having a conversation with this cockroach in a public bathroom bless her spirit i know poor dear so everyone there they're in the desert they're dancing they're chanting um they've got all these like phrases for attracting a soulmate and making money and it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, in my head I'm picturing, like, Burning Man, but everyone's in white. Yeah. And they're really, really high. And yeah. they're they're going to elevate into a new vibrational being. Totally. And they're, like, so they have to, like, learn these languages that aren't their first languages, right? And some of these languages do exist already. They're, like, ancient languages of other scripture. Um, and then another interesting part was that for a fee, they could be give they would be given like full new names for the like three HO group. So all the women and men separately share each a last name, right? And then they separately the gendered out all have the same middle name. And then like they did some, they changed the first name based on some like tantric numerology, and this was like a big fucking deal to them. They were like. Like, they changed their names legally. They changed their names on their license. And it was considered, like, this huge honor that you gave them It's just a little fee. Just just a a little bit of money. Just a small fee. You can be named as brother and sisters in Christ. Um, Not in cockroach. Not in cockroach. And so she talks about these, like, phrases that she learned that – so they would kind of take phrases that we use in our everyday speech and they would give them new meanings. Like, if you're an old soul – it was like really bad because that meant that you couldn't like you kept reincarnating as bad things and you can't move on learn a new trick exactly but then they started using like phrases to like scare them and to like threaten them like oh that's like lizard brain in you you're acting like a lizard brain right now one was like one phrase was piscean consciousness i'm like what do they have against the pisces What are they what, what did the Pisces do? What if some of them are Pisces, you know? Maybe if you get a new name, you get like a new birthday. Maybe. New sign. They're like, you know what? I want to be an Aquarius. Those bitches are fire. So anyway, all of this to say, there are all of these techniques that they're using to uh, like brainwash them essentially. Sorry about the word. I'll explain more on that later. But they're they're using all of these languages to like make them have like a group think. They've changed their names. They've changed their identities. They've changed the language that they're using. And there's all the while there's this like undercurrent of like psychological and sexual abuse by Yogi Bahan. And they're like, he's like forcing them to fast. He's doing the sleep deprivation, oldest trick in the book. And he's threatening violence towards people who want to leave 
There's an unsolved murder. There's like a ton of suicides for people. They're like so depressed. It's just a really rough situation. So she starts this book up with a bang. She's like, listen to this crazy shit from an interview I had with a former 3HO member. And that person is now like, she describes her like lash extensions and she's got an iPhone and she's like tapping her fingers on her coffee and she had exited uh, the cult. But she's like, this is kind of what we're dealing with here. Yeah, like here's the backstory. So our narrator introduces us to another protagonist here and she is ages like 16 to 18 she's like just getting to college and she's very worried about gaining weight she's really worried about the freshman 15 and she has lunch with her friend one day and her friend is like glowing she doesn't really have any makeup on she like looks really fit and she's like girl like what is your secret what's going on and she's like I joined this crazy gym and it's like so awesome I'm like having a great time I lost 30 pounds and she was like well you don't even look like super skinny you just look like really healthy and strong I want that what's it called and she's like it's called CrossFit so here we go we are not CrossFit hater people. We're just sharing the story. We're just sharing the story. So no CrossFit buff-ass people come for me, please. But so, my f- friend who I will not name did CrossFit forever, and she's working on her second double hip surgery, and she's tw- 30. Eesh. So that's scary. Okay, so keep in mind, she's not – our narrator's not introducing these two people to be like, see, these are the same. This one person, all of her friends commit suicide, and this other person joined a gym – Obviously, they're right. they're much different situations, but essentially, what starts what the next protagonist starts saying is she's like, you know, it was really interesting because there's a new language, like everything, like I call it a gym, and they immediately correct me, no, this is a box, and she has to learn all the acronyms, the BPs, the BS, the C2B, the DOMS. And my mind did not go what that stands for. Now I can't remember the right <laughs> thing. Um, and so everybody there is like so healthy and hot and she like joins with her like freshman boyfriend and they're like working out and they're doing it and they're just like counting their macros and they're like doing all the things. And then she tells us about like the box that she worked out in has like these giant like framed like portraits of the founder hung up on the gym walls. And then also these like murals of like fitness proverbs. It's giving red laurels. It's, oh, no, God, no. I'm just kidding. No, I still live here. He's going to come after me. Um, okay, so the fitness proverbs on the walls are things like eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. That that quote actually goes on for like three paragraphs. It's really gross and weird. Um, and then there's another one. There's another like mantra on the walls and it says bike, run, swim, row, hard and fast, five, six days a week. And I'm like, Jesus Lord. Oh. Um, so they also started like, they're like, no, this isn't just like your workout. This is a lifestyle. E-I-E. So they, everything is everything. Who knows what the hell that means? And so she would like, she when she's struggling with something like at school in her mind, she's like, everything is everything. I got everything this. Is everything, everything is everything. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to row so hard later. <laughs> I'm going to get this shit out at the gym. Um, and then she tells a story about how, like, when she was going out of town, as early as she knew she was going out of town, she would let the gym know um, and, like, let the leaders at the gym know. Because if not and you miss a workout, you got, like, publicly shamed in their Facebook group. And, like, when you came back to the gym, the trainers were that much harder on you. And I so I am pretty sure that's a thing that they still do because I know a couple of people who do CrossFit and they post, like, 
consecutive months of membership. And if for any reason you like went out of town or missed a week, there's like a star by your name and it's like consecutive but has missed. I'm just like, ew, God, that sounds like a club I never want to be a part of. And it's weird. So she's like, she's starting to do this and she's seeing like a ton of fitness results and she's following the paleo diet. She's cutting all the things out. And then, like, her and her boyfriend break up, and she, like, notices, like, like everybody's, like, all of the members and the trainers are all hooking up with her. So she's like, well, if that's what the group does, that's what I do, too. So she starts... Everyone's, everyone's doing it. Let's she do starts it. hooking up with this guy whose name is Andy, but he changed his name to Flex. <laughs> so they good. basically, like, wake Listener, up. it's not good. Listen, if you're hooking up with a guy named Flex, babe, it's time Flex to just... Flex on purpose do some like flex like they chose the name flex their parents didn't think it was funny and played like an ultimate prank by naming them that they chose the name flex babes cut it off there are other people out there so it's like these two i don't want to say characters because they're real people they basically wake up one day and they realize they were in so deep they weren't even like speaking recognizable language to themselves or to other people anymore and like both of these groups were like no this isn't us and that isn't them like, yeah. you need to be separate from those people. They're not like you. Which is also the first, which I guess we'll get into a little bit later, but, like, the first notings of, like, genocide and civil unrest and, um, like, civil war is generally establishing, like, an us versus a them. So, like, people who are in the know and use the words and people who don't because they're obviously lesser. Yeah. And it's like they're using this language and they're using these, like, techniques to justify their very questionable behavior and their, like, collective ideologies. And the writer notes that, like, the most compelling technique that these brands and these churches are using is the language. They're using this language to separate and distinguish the group and, like, inspire a group, like, one consciousness. Right. Everyone's got the same ideas. We all feel the same way. We all talk like this. Yeah. Um, and so there's this point where she's like talking. She did it, the author did a ton of research on this, which I love. It's not just like, you know, true crime girly just talking about things like waxing poetic. Like she talked, she consulted a ton of psychologists. And she talks about a like some thoughts from a psychologist on why people are like rubbernecking for cults, which I thought was a really interesting way to describe it. Yeah. And. Basically, the way that that psychologist described it is, like, you see a car accident or some disaster in the part of your brain that controls your emotions, your memory, and your survival tactics. That starts, like, firing signals to, like, the problem-solving part of your brain, your frontal cortex, to try to, like, figure out, is this event a direct danger to me? So you enter your flight or fight, even if you're just sitting there reading headlines. And so it's almost like, essentially, the psychologist isn't saying, no, like, you're not just obsessed with like the dark things like there's a piece of your brain that is like consuming this media and seeing like and is this a danger to me am i in imminent danger and if so how do i get out of the situation so it kind of made me feel better i'm one of the true crime girlies i love a true crime podcast but there's always that fine line of is this at the expense of the victims and that's kind of similar to what this psychologist is saying is like people who are very interested in cults there's a very scientific reason different parts of your brain are activated because they're scared you know right and you're also thinking like while you're listening or watching or reading like would I fall for that would I get stuck in something like this or like has this ever happened to me 
how would this happen to me? Like, what, what are the ways in which I've been influenced before that, like, I didn't want to? Right. And, like, does this prepare me better for next time? And she's essentially saying that you fell down this rabbit hole, like, reading about Jonestown or, like, QAnon. And it's not because there's, like, this twisted voyeur, like, inside of you that's, like, attracted to darkness. It's because, like, if it were that way, we'd be bored by now. There's a lot of cults. Yeah. There's a lot of crimes. We wouldn't continue reading it. It's like there's something else that's being activated in your brain. So I thought that that was a pretty piping hot take. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So culture, our culture, pop culture, likes to – this becomes a big theme in the book, by the way, that our culture, modern day, likes to say everybody's brainwashed, they're all being mind-controlled, and that's that, and close the book, we're done, research over and I think that's how every, like, everybody who feels that someone is, like, polar opposite of them, like, on both sides of the line, feel like the other group is, air quotes, brainwashed. Yeah, and what I thought was super interesting is that another psychologist, well, I shouldn't say another, like, the majority of the psychologists that she reached out to all agree that being brainwashed is actually a pseudoscience, and... They practically all of them like denounce brainwashing because they're like, that's too easy. Right. But also, it's not real. But also, we use that to dehumanize these other people and to like justify, oh, they just did that because they're brainwashed when they're actually fully formed adults with critical thinking skills. It's other things happen, you know? So essentially, they're like, brainwashing is not in like magic they didn't have a magic spell over them right but the real answer is like language like they're redefining words they're delivering them in a way that seems like very like heavy and like important and it makes the language seem ancient and exclusive and like you're part of this club and so she names the book cultish not like uh you know like cutesy but she named it cultish like english spanish swedish like cultish language if that makes sense. So the first part of the book, she kind of opens it up by saying, like, this is how we're going to explore it. We're going to explore language in this book. We're not just going to talk trash about victims of these cults because language provides. There was a a lot of emphasis on not trash talking the victims of cults, especially ones that have died. A hundred percent. She gets really into, like, some of the, I don't know, ongoings between cults and it's it's heavy there yeah there's some heavy stuff there and i i like that she didn't take it from a side of i've got the answers this is why people are in cults and you're safe she's like no language provides a culture of a shared understanding this is something that all of these groups that have the group think this is something that they're using and this is something you can look out for in different companies different brands etc And so another part that I thought was kind of cool was, like, we were talking before about, you know, when they were, like, redefining phrases like old soul. Like, culturally, we kind of do that, too. We, like, use words like cult favorite. And we, like, refer to our friends as a cult follower if they're, like, Swifties. You know what I mean? They have, like, this cult-like love. And when we, when I started going Orange Theory, I was like, oh it's a cult and I'm in it. <laughs> Oh, my God. But it's like we mean it like they're, like, devoted. We don't mean it like they're in danger. And almost, like, using phrases like that is, like, still sort of 
kind of like downplaying the seriousness of cults and we're like oh this is a cult favorite movie it's almost like we're using a word and like the more that we use it the more it loses its meaning you know so in part two of the book uh, Amanda gives a lot of specific information about groups and cults and what makes them cultish and like specific language for certain cults there's a lot of talk about Jonestown and Heaven's Gate. There's some Scientology. And let me be clear, I want none of them to come for me. So if, if <laughs> Let me be clear. This is a book if, report. This is a book report. If you are interested in those things or want to learn more, the book really does have a lot of good information. And I think there's like personal accounts from people in yeah. those more um, – serious groups you can read it but we are not the expert in culty things and I'm scared (laughs) yeah so it's a mix of two but this one a lot of these we've been saying like oh read the book or don't we'll tell you all about it literally read this book there's so much research and there's so like there's such dense detail and accounts of like these experiences that if we tried to cover them this would be like a nine hour episode and I know that y'all would listen I know, that, I know that you would. Y'all would listen, but we would get most of it wrong. And I'm just not willing to go there. <laughs> now, the other the other groups, the MLMs, come for me. Come I'm for ready. us. Come for us, boss babes. I've never been more right. QAnon, no. Um, but the MLM girls, I'm ready. So part four of the book is called, Do You Want to Be a Boss Babe? And it opens up with, I think, what might be my favorite quote ever. Roses are red. Money is green. The American dream is a pyramid scheme. Period. Period. <laughs> End of podcast. <laughs> Just I have kidding. my whole life been a multi-level marketing sales hater. I think since from the first message I ever got that was like an absolute insult but veiled as a compliment from some girl I went to high school with mm-hmm. trying to sell like Beachbody or – yeah. Octavia or whatever like I have always been like no this is sick um so when I read this book I loved that she had like a whole part dedicated to them because there's a lot of linguistic details that make MLMs and like those kinds of groups like these women's group these Christian women sales people groups and it really is the language that hooks them that gets them except on me because don't cold message me and it's also like that they're often going after a specific type of woman right they're going after moms or like stay-at-home wives and it's very it's usually people that are isolated or people who are like struggling financially and so it's almost like they've got like a target which is another sure have a target it's it's anti-girly pop as far as i'm concerned it is so an MLM, or multi-level marketing, is the legally loopholed sibling of a pyramid scheme because they are legal. Like, it's not like you pay for something and you get nothing. You just get, like, something shitty. <laughs> but it's, I'll um, I'll recruit you and then whatever you sell, I'll get 0.0001% right. um, of your sales. And so, like, the people who – start them like the people who are in the beginning and make like a shit ton of money yeah and 
you know, all you have to do is just be really annoying. No, <laughs> and you know what's interesting about this is like a lot of my career I've spent in sales and my most recent my most recent job before the one I have now is like very high pressure, high stress sales. We're talking millions and millions of dollars that we were talking about on a daily basis as if it's not a ton of money. And one argument I've heard from some of the MLM people is like, so nobody calls salespeople who make commission a you know, a pyramid scheme. And it's like, so that's also a problem. And that also feels <laughs> icky. Salespeople, like all salespeople feel icky. There's a reason we call it a used car salesman and not in a good way. We don't call it a car salesman as much. But anyway, I digress. I thought it was really interesting because as someone who works in sales and they're like, there's, you know, y'all don't come after them, those people that way. And it's like, yeah, we do. Yeah. There's this whole, there's a whole part where she talks about that they're like, the real pyramid scheme is working a nine to five when you could be your own boss. And I'm just like, I don't disagree, <laughs> but you're just using it wrong. <laughs> um, so Amanda talks about how girls and women who are spit out the other end of these groups um, describe some really like scary and horrible shit and how yeah. their language, I mean, the language is like the pitch and how they talk to each other, but also like it starts with a huge love bombing. So yeah. like, I remember you and I think you would be such a great fit for this because you could for sure be your own boss and like you're so smart and driven and talented. And you have such that, a like, great personality and you're you so fun. So, you're so fucking funny and cool and a hot and like don't you want to be rich too the way that would work on me if that's actually how they talked that's actually i take that back now that i've put it out into the universe somebody's gonna think that's gonna work on me it will i'm gonna i'm gonna find something to sell you um so i learned through reading this book but wasn't surprised that Utah is the MLM capital of the world, Slay Utah. which is not surprising. <laughs> no, Utah's not. <laughs> um, which is not surprising because Utah is full of stay-at-home moms with really big families. Yeah. Because a lot of the population here are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I love how you said that. But I did put a little twang on it for <laughs> emphasis on the Utah. Um, but it's wild here because all of the things that you like read that your cousin was selling on Facebook or whatever like they do have real physical buildings and warehouses here and where my husband works is like the city of doTERRA and the the warehouses they it has like doTERRA on the roof and you can probably see it from fucking space because they're so big and I also live within like a 0.1 0.1 mile from the Young Living headquarters. No. And that man killed his child. So. Ew. And people still are like, but it could cure autism. Wrong. It can't. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong, babes. Juniper neither. <laughs> Don't trust her. Wrong, babes. Um, but yes. side, side point, side question. Does it smell so good? It. That's not a yes. So <laughs> let's just say yes. no. Let's just say no. There's a really uh, famous garden here. I think it's called Ashton Gardens. But now that I'm saying it out loud, that sounds wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Ashton Gardens. And in part of the gardens, there's a doTERRA section. And I'm like, but there's flowers. Like, do we need the essential oil section of the 
literal flower garden, which does like a stunning tulip festival that starts in April. I'm really excited. Stunning tulip festival where you can also buy your essential oils. No, it's like like a part that you walk through is like the doTERRA area, and you can like go and smell the flowers, but they smell like the oils. I'm not joking. It's wait, very missed, weird. Wait, missed opportunity to call it the doTERRA. <laughs> it might be called the doTERRA. <laughs> Branding queen. <laughs> you can tell she was in marketing. Period. Um, but also Utah has a lot of summer sales, which I guess, so if you're a member of the LDS faith and you're chosen – or whatever you can serve a mission which is basically where like you sell your religion to other people and so a lot of the kids here are summer salesmen and if there isn't a kid ignoring my cute no soliciting sign literally once a week to sell me um a pergola like a deck is that how you say it (laughs) pergola (laughs) whatever um a pierogi (laughs) Allah. that's what i was thinking of They are here all the time. They're ready. They want to wash my windows. They want to power wash the driveway. They want to shovel snow. And I don't want that because I'm annoyed. And when you knock on the door, then the dogs bark and the baby wakes up. And it's a whole it's a whole show. But um, in this book, she talks about – she starts with the little MLMs. And then she goes into Amway, which is super popular. And those are the people that stop you in Target. And they're like – Lindsay, I love your shoes. Where did you get them? And do you wish there was more money in your bank account? My thing is, how do they know my name? (laughs) You're wearing a name tag. (laughs) I always do that at Target. Good call. No, they'll say something like, how's your wealth management? Or something like, it's icky and gross and weird. And it's a giant company and they pitch this like American family values thing and like you need to make sure that you acquire this generational wealth so that your kids can be you know set and provide for their children like don't you want to leave I was going to say don't you want to leave the planet better but they don't care about the planet (laughs) right don't you want to leave your kids with more money (laughs) and Um, it's so icky just the way that you target the like the parent It is. And it was started in 1959 by the Andal and DeVos family. And if you think, hmm, DeVos sounds really familiar, it should because Trump appointed Betsy DeVos was the secretary, is the former secretary of education. And she had never sent her kids to a fucking public school ever. And as a former public school teacher, we hate a charter school and we're glad that she's gone and that's not I'll go on a whole fucking tangent but I will not I will not I love it they also like did you watch the Lula Rich documentary I did okay so that one was super interesting in my opinion Lula Row. it's called ugly leggings <laughs> ugly cheap leggings <laughs> leggings that are see-through with really weird patterns on them Uh, But what I thought was so interesting is how quickly it got culty. Like, like the woman was, like, convincing everyone to, like, fly to Mexico to get the gastric bypass surgery. And, like, she was, like, getting – she was getting, like, a cut of it. And, like – Yeah, she she was, like, from the doctors. Yeah, yeah. And then she, like, stepped back because, like, her husband 
wanted to be preaching to all of these like franchisees and it became like very Christian preaching from the husband and like the owners of LuLaRoe are in that documentary and like she's sitting there all smug and she's just like and women we all know that you sometimes you need to step back and just let your man do what he needs to do and I'm like if my man Want, it says like, hey, this giant pyramid scheme that you've built, I'm going to need you to step aside because I've got some words for them. I'd be like, no, babes. Absolutely not. Anyway, that's my that's the end of my tangent about LuLaRoe. So the next part of the book is called This Hour is Going to Change Your Life and Make You Look Awesome. And it kind of circles back to like the CrossFit workout area of things that are kind of cultish. But it focuses more on Soul Cycle. And I think I've heard of Soul Cycle, but I didn't really know. I kind of thought it, what's the other cycle one? Soul Cycle is like the big one. But I did, when I learned about Soul Cycle, sidebar, um, I was reading this amazing book called Self Care, like the most gorgeous cover you've ever seen. And it was kind of like, it was a, it was a novel, but it, it described in very like realistic detail of like, the screaming and crying. the like, timers and the sweat and the crying and the music and the I was just like this is wild this can't be real readers it, it was it real. was real so um, <laughs> Amanda talks about how fitness studios have leaned into the whole churchy thing like this isn't just a workout this is a sanctuary you can cry here at your workout sanctuary combo. I, I don't love you, that. I hate that. I hate you, a workout that makes me cry. All workouts make me cry. You can give a eulogy <laughs> or you can confess your sins. And it's really common or it's always been really common in Soul Cycle for people to like scream th- things that they wanted into the universe as like a self-care kind of adjunct situation. And that's gross. I, I don't want that. I don't like that. When – um. When we were living in New Orleans, I went to this like CrossFit hybrid gym and I, God, I wish I could share the name because it's very clear what's happening when you get the name, but it was like black and pink and like clearly like a women's, like women's focus gym, but it wasn't like meant, like there was like one man for every, I don't know, 15 women, but they would do like partner workouts and it was a really yeah. good workout and I liked it and I would drive like I would bring my daughter to like my in-laws and then I would drive over there and go work out and then drive back and it ended up being like a two hour situation. But then I started getting these emails and they were like, we're doing women's faith study night at the gym. <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> no, I don't like, I don't like that. So how many years did you go? <laughs> no, then I moved. <laughs> She's like, She's like, so I continue to go for no, the next seven years. And They're I'm actually here to sell sending it to emails. And I was like, girl, I live in Utah. Well, if you don't unsubscribe. I don't know. I'm getting emails from like when I put my email address at Claire's in like fucking 2005. So. Babe, there's a button legally. It says I got like 3,000 emails. Today. Click it. I'm like, I'm sorry. Okay. I don't, don't want to panic you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Also, in this book, they talk about, or there's a lot of research about how there was this woman whose name I didn't write down because I wasn't paying attention, and they decided to take workout words and make them different words. Like, instead of saying squat or lunge, you're going to say gratitude, 
and commitment. I'm going to do 15 <gasps> commitments. <gasps> and <laughs> basically, basically, I hate that. I, also hate it. I hate that more Which than I hate a BP. Which gives you like a lot of insight to about how the language that these groups use changes the way that you like think about what you're doing. So like you're not thinking about working yeah. out, you're thinking about like the heavy metaphorical backside of working out versus like literally bend your knee and make your hamstring cry for like just a second and then pop it back. Ugh. I hate that. Okay, so in the US, it's like we're taught to fetishize self-improvement, which I am a major <laughs> major proponent of this the amount of money i spend on the serum for my face you guys would die but you just got that Um, other one that's right i did more thoughts on that later um so weight watchers is another oh my god i remember the the weight watchers of the 90s i don't know if any of y'all grew up with parents who were like obsessed with it but they have this specific language like different tiers like different points and it's like you can't understand if you're not in it like how many Weight Watchers points is this I still don't know and I think my mom might have done Weight Watchers I was for sure dragged to many a Weight Watchers meeting as a child and middle schooler I hate that and so it's like counting calories so like if you can use a calculator like you should be good but they use their own it's like sort of the situation their own like math they've recreated math and I love that Okay, so with a lot of these cults, we start to see, like, their fall from grace, right? And I'm sure, like, in the 2000s, 2010s and stuff, like, everyone you knew, even our producer of this podcast, was doing (laughs) CrossFit. It was a big fucking deal, right? And then the CEO went and used his fucking mouth and said some really fucked up shit. And during, like, the height of the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020, the CEO sent some really nasty emails saying like Floyd 19 and like black people are unwelcome in his gym and then he stepped down shortly after. But it's still like a multi-millionaire like white guy. But he's still a bazillionaire. Fit. Yeah. He's still a nice soul piece of shit. Um, And so it's almost like you'll see these cult leaders get like so powerful and then they're like I can say what the fuck ever. I can do what the fuck ever. All of like these horrible intrusive thoughts I have. No one and can I'll put me. them in an email. Um, unfortunately, I'll put them in an email because I am a narcissist. And it was just a bunch of nasty stuff like that often happens. Like when these people get so much power and they get so much fame and so much wealth, then we get to really see yeah. who they really are, I guess. And then shortly after CrossFit falls from grace, Soul Cycle falls from grace, um, they had all of these sexual harassment allegations and bullying and name calling but like really Mm. um i'm trying to think of the right way to phrase it i don't know it was basically they're all sleeping with each other they all hate people who are different and all of these spaces are already like super whitewashed gyms and workout groups And they've already created this, like, us versus them, whether it be physical abilities, size, skin color, like, sexual orientation. And so there's this disconnect already. And then now they've fallen from grace. And you're kind of like, do we join them? Do we want to be (laughs) fit? Do we want to be part of these kind of groups? But in the end, only a middle-aged, sad white lady would dare be caught in a namaste t-shirt 
Barf. Yeah, and I think it's really important to include that because, I mean, earlier in the earlier chapters, we didn't cover as much. Like, she goes into the very racially charged, like, Manson family. And a lot of these cults, like, his whole deal about, like, the race war. And a lot of these cults were, like, very thinly veiled and sometimes not veiled at all. Just over racism. But it's almost like they have to, like... They make they make you go through a lot of hoops to find out like what the real, what they're really about like what their real agenda is, and what they're really about. And also, yeah. fuck them people. The last part of the book is called "Follow for Follow," and I think it might have been one of my favorite sections. It talks about social media's influence, yeah. which is huge because there are literally people called influencers whose only job is to influence you to buy things, um, or to think yeah. a certain way, or to follow a group. But she, off the bat, is like, isn't it strange how they use the word followers and not friends? Like, on Facebook, you've got your friends and your family and, like, community. But on Instagram, on TikTok, you've got followers. People who follow. You're your own cult leader. Yeah, that was one of those, like, like mind-blowing moments. I was like, oh, my God. If this author is making a cult, I'm joining it. And I'm like, wait, no. Unless it's, uh, what's her name? What's your girl's name? Maddie Dawes. Oh, Maddie Dawson. I die for her. Well, we're going to cover a Maddie Dawson book. We have to. It's so fun. It's an author that I love. But anyway, that's a happy topic. We're talking about serious stuff. So she talks about how languages and groups, they use their, you know, the same, the same, the running theme here is that cults are using language to distinguish between groups of people. So this is a sidebar tangent situation, but there's this group for parents who are like going to sleep train their kids called Taking Care of Babies. And Kara is like the girl's name. Like the girl's name is Kara, Taking Care of Babies. It's catchy. It's cute. And she has, and like full disclosure, I bought it. I did it. And Elise is a great sleeper. So, but, but Kara's kind okay. of. Namaste. <laughs> Stop it. Namaste, Renee. Um, but Kara, which I didn't find out until after, is, like, super problematic. And she's taken this, like, age-old method of sleep training by, like, a psychiatrist, Ferber, and repackaged it and put her own acronyms on it. Um, but they're, like, not, like, obvious acronyms. Like, it's not, like, F for feed the baby. It's, like, F for... For a minute, think about it and wait another minute, mom. Like, it's not, it's not an easy, yeah. So it's this whole thing, but then, yeah. In 2021, maybe the end of 2021, I don't know. I had well passed the program. Um, You can see, there's some website that shows you like where people have donated their, like, to political campaigns. And Kara of Taking Care of Babies donated a ton of money to the Mm -hmm. Make America Great Again campaign. Not the bad one. <laughs> Not the one that's different from mine. <laughs> it is the one that's different from mine. Let me be clear. Let me. It's the bad. It's, it's, it's the, the bad one. I'm just Renee's no, scared no, no, of no. not. It's definitely not. John, cut that. Renee's Thank not you. scared of anything. John, don't cut, cut that. that. Leave Lindsay saying I'm not scared of anything. So, people were 
pissed. Like, a lot of people felt like she was taking their money and giving it to him, which, like, is mm-hmm. her right as, like, a private business owner to do whatever she wants with her money. But, like, if your feelings didn't align and now, like, the more they think about it, well, her, her shit's not even helpful. Like, she's making it harder. She's taken someone else's work and just repackaged it. So we're no longer a taking care of baby stand. And she's annoying. But she did that same like language thing and she would say like you're the only like you're the best mom for your baby and it's a lot of like validating postpartum mothers who are badass and also super vulnerable group of people in those stages and especially like if your baby isn't sleeping and you're sleep deprived like you'll pay any amount of money for anything and there's a social media presence that really targets postpartum women you can buy a course for making your baby sleep making your baby eat you can buy a course for how to be a good parent you can buy a course for how to discipline Mm. your kids which like are things that people think are supposed to come naturally and like sometimes they don't so she didn't really talk about that but that's my sidebar that it is a real thing that social media does yeah that's really crazy and as a famously childless adult um, there was one book that I read. I, I'm trying so hard to remember the name of it, but it was maybe People Like Her by Ellery Royd. It might be that might be the wrong one, but essentially it was about this influencer, this like very famous influencer who goes missing, and I really don't think it's People Like Her by Ellery Royd because I'm not going to say the ending. But essentially, what happened was like a mother. Um, this influencer was saying like how to like sleep train your baby and like this like certain specific way of like sleeping in the bed with your baby and then a follower did that and the baby suffocated and the mother then unalived herself and then the mother of the woman who unalived herself like abducted the influencer who was selling oh my this gosh. way to like sleep train your baby it was like so bananas but it was also like exactly especially hearing after what happened with this take care of baby stuff i'm just like there's very real danger in advice not from professionals that's and there's even i mean i'm in like a whole new subset of like influence i have a friend who's an influencer in utah and like there's this whole separate like group of people who are influencers and they sell things offline so like they sell like um I'm trying to think of what you call it like retreats they sell retreats where you can go and like do this other stuff but like their purpose is is not just to have a retreat where you learn something like their purpose is to get your money and to make some money and to influence you to buy things and to try things and to think about things a different way and so like there's a lot of power I think in just knowing that like not everything is this parasocial relationship where you think you're friends with someone who's really popular on the internet um, because it feels like they talk to you like they look at you and they talk to you and you're like watching their stories Mm -hmm. and you guys are friends and like you care about them on a personal level but they have no idea who you are and so yeah it seems very intimate it seems like you're facetiming it's it's not so I think just just knowing that people on the internet are not looking out for you is important and good yeah it's it's hard and you know a lot of these like we've said a lot of times the people and I don't want to make a generalization here but let's just say specifically people who are targeting new moms 
they're targeting a very vulnerable population and they're targeting people who are sleep deprived and they're targeting someone who is very susceptible to influence and that's the hard part about it because whereas some of these influencers may start off meaning well there might not be fully thought out of like who am I really targeting here and does it actually benefit them or do I just know they're a vulnerable community and I can right. like make and there's up, also this you know? you know whole separate piece about how algorithms feed back to us what we wanted to see so like the more interested yeah. I am in something the more I'm going to see it and that includes if I'm really mm-hmm. interested in like conspiracy theories or QAnon or any of these Mm -hmm. things like that's all the information that I'm going to get back oh which creates this self-reinforcing environment and this big hole where like you only hear what you wanted to hear so like everybody's uncle Rick is you know he's click clacking on his computer because he knows more than you do because that's all that he sees because that's all that he looks up yeah it's like an echo chamber that is essentially like reinforced by robotic algorithms it's very futuristic and weird and creepy but you also don't think about it that when you're in the moment and you're being fed exactly what you want to read that reinforces your ideas you don't think hmm i wonder if technology has had a hand in this you're just like see this is the whole the ai thing is so to convince scary my niece the chat whatever yeah. i don't know what it's called chat g something is like freaky and scary and everyone's gonna cheat on their college papers now there's what are you this talking about chat, i don't know what you're talking GPT about or g whatever you type in like write me a paragraph about this topic and include this and it does the whole like it's very specific and thought out and it takes all the information and types it as if like a person would type it side, wow. side we're gonna do this after wait is it like- after we're gonna after we're gonna play with it um, okay, is it anything like those things where it's like I told AI to write me a Hallmark movie and I told AI to write me an smarter. emo song and they're all, ugh. I liked it when <laughs> it was funny. I liked it when dumb. it was Smarter Child on AIM. I liked Smarter Child. I, I don't did. like iRobot. I don't like Smart House. It's too far. I'm not going to go on my tangent about Smart House. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like, anyway, as far as like influencing goes, like, it's a fad. It's going to happen. It's going to come. It's going to go. I'm like, also, please, listener, do not think we are denouncing all influencers and saying they're all bad and evil and money-making, like, no. psychos. Because, like, get your bag. Get your coin. But also, just, like, as, like, a consumer, someone who follows influencers, I buy stuff from influencers, and a lot of it I like. But as a consumer, I think that the end part of this book is, like, just right. beware of the language you're exposed to that you're not really – you're not really thinking about because it's yeah. so normalized. I yeah. think that's pretty helpful. And that's it. That's cultish. And that is cultish. Ugh, I love this book. Okay. We did like a high level, but y'all seriously, yeah. like buy this book, listen to it, read it. It is so well thought out and interesting. And it's also, it's a beautiful and book. It's got, it's got a it's wonderful gorgeous. cover on it if you're interested in that as well. Yeah, it's a gorgeous book. But also, I love – it's so well thought out. It's so well researched. She cites all of her sources. You know, yeah, the last – I think the last people who are victims. 10 pages are all citations. Yeah, and I like that it doesn't feel like you're reading a research paper. It feels like somebody's explaining to you just a different way to look at something a lot of true crime people yeah. are interested in. But it's also like the psychology piece of it. It's not just – Everybody died. It was really good. Everybody drank the flavor aid. But I thought it was great. I gave this one, rating-wise, I gave this one a five star. What do you think? I would give it, 
I'm trying to think. I'm only thinking like four and a half because I read some of the criticisms, but I don't think I agreed with them, but just because I <laughs> read them. They're in your I brain. I know. I'm being, being influenced. influenced. I give it a five. I did love it. I did. Give it a five. I, I you loved it the first it. time. And I learned it. a lot about like the religious cults and the suicide yeah. cults and like things that I don't seek out because in general, like I'm not super interested in, but this was a way that was a lot more digestible for me yeah. personally. So I give it a five. That's it. Yeah. I love it. Give it a five. Yeah. I'm not much of a nonfiction reader. I do try to like diversify my reading a little bit. Um, but after I read this book, I like went on a hunt for like more nonfiction books like this. And I, I remember us that being was, like, like how are we going to, what are we going to do next? <laughs> how, how are we going to top this? But I definitely think I'm going to, um, definitely pick up Word Slut next. When I saw that title, I was like, bitch, I don't care what it's about. <laughs> I want to read it. I myself am a word slut. Um, listen, next week, Renee, tell next us what we're reading. We're reading Someone Else's Shoes by Jojo Moyes. Okay, I am obsessed with her. I don't know if you are. This but is like, my first. Um, I don't know if you remember. Book of her. Don't look at me like that. Listener, if you could only see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just so surprised because she has like this series that's incredibly popular. Um, gosh, what is it called? I'm like, it's so popular. How did you not read it? And I forgot the title. I think it's she book did of so the many good books. Um, Someone else's shoes. So we're on. It's trend. like me before me. Okay, me before you, nope. and then she did after you, and then she did still me. Okay, those were her some of her breakout novels, and they're so beautiful. Me before you was turned into a film. And I, okay, I'm going off on a tangent. But we love author, her. But I don't care because I love her. I love her. Okay, so when I discovered audiobooks, I was in a very dark mental place. The election, the job I was in, the pandemic, the, you know, economic downfall, the absolute sociopolitical destruction of the world, the All gun violence, everything. As you guys know, that if you live in America and you're listening to this, you're that like, yeah, it sounds like a Tuesday. So I needed like this constant, I needed something in my ears to like neutralize my like bouncing, awful, sad thoughts about the world around me. So first with audiobooks, I started with the Harry Potter audiobooks, which I love Harry Potter and I love that it was written by nobody. <laughs> after, immediately after the Harry Potter books, I... Jojo Moya's uh, Me Before You, I started reading that series. So it's so special to me because it was like early in my audiobook thing, but also the way I sobbed in Me Before You, the way I saw, I every single one of those books were so gorgeous that I went down like a Jojo Moya's like list. The Giver of Stars oh, is having, a beautiful book her um, by her. Listen, she's having it. So we're going to do Someone Else's Shoes. All of this to say, it's a book about two women who... There's like a mix-up at the gym, and they grab the wrong bag, and chaos ensues. Then the gym closes. Listen, read it. Read it. Pick up the book, Someone Else's Shoes by Jojo Moyes. I really think and you guys And follow us on like Instagram it. at crybabybookspod. Yeah, and if you have a book you think we should read, send us an email. You can reach us at hi at crybabybooks.com, and I promise we'll check the email this week. Once we figure out that darn password. I work in IT. Don't say that. <laughs> Bye, bitches!
So in the U.S., we're taught to fetishize. <laughs> Lindsay, go. It's your turn. You slay. 